historian, entrepreneur, and author Itai Tenenbaum is your guide for a behind-the-scenes tour of Israeli society and objective analysis of the key issues of the day for anyone who wants a deep and authentic look inside Israel. Welcome to the Inside Israel podcast. This week, a pre-vote in the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, a controversial law passed. The law is nicknamed the Netanyahu Law, or if you want, the Bibi Law. Justice Minister Gidon Saar issued the law that will prevent a leader, a politician that is, under indictment from forming a government. Basically, a member of Knesset who is facing a standing indictment would not be eligible to form a government if he or she were charged with an offense punishable by more than three years in prison. I emphasize indicted, in other words, suspected of an offense punishable by more than three years in prison and not yet found guilty of a crime. Now, there is a clause, or if you want a checks and balances, which says that the chairman of the Central Election Committee, usually it's a well-known and respected retired Supreme Court justice, will be able to allow the member of Knesset to form a government if it is determined that in the circumstance of this case, there's no dishonorableness to the offense. Furthermore, if the law passes, now it must still go through three more callings in order to pass, a residing prime minister can continue to serve in an event that an indictment is filed against him. The law only refers to anyone trying to form a new government who is under indictment, again, for a crime punishable by three years or more, not a residing prime minister. Like I said before, in the Israeli political system, the law is called the Netanyahu Law, or the Bibi Law. Obviously, since he is standing trial, three to be exact, and keep in mind, he is bitter rivals with Saar, Gidon Saar, the current justice minister proposing the law. Now, is this law liberal and democratic? So I'll give you two different viewpoints. Many people say, no, it is not. They say, first of all, whatever happened to presumed innocent until proven guilty? How can a minister, Saar, that has minimal support of the people, he only has six seats of 120, that's only 5% of the vote, be allowed to knock off a political rival with what opposers call an undemocratic law. Furthermore, opposition to this law say there's no reason to enact a law that allows one official, in this case it would be the attorney general, to expropriate the right of the people to elect the person who heads the state. While the indictment is exposed to the eyes of everyone, investigative actions that solidify the indictment are not. There's no transparency for the public. The public simply has to believe that the attorney general is of utmost integrity and really does have a case. The law enables the removal of a prime minister by the clerks or the bureaucrats. Now, corruption and government decisions made from foreign motives are not the domain of politicians alone. Plenty of bureaucrats can be corrupt. Some say that such a law, which deprives the people of the right to choose who will govern it, is a law that expresses contempt for the public and distrust of the public. A Knesset member named Simcha Rotman of the religious Zionist faction said, and I quote, Whoever tries to let the attorney general, a clerk appointed and not elected, decide for them who could be prime minister, declares that he has no trust in the people, the people's elected representatives, and the democratic process. It is not reminiscent of dark times. It is dark times. Now granted, politicians want to sway you their direction, and so they can be overdramatic. Plenty of people actually support the law and say, yes, it is both democratic and even liberal. Gidon Saar himself, again the minister of justice, tweeted, and I quote, When the Knesset unanimously approved the law to suspend mayors directly elected by the public against whom an indictment was filed, there was not a single member of parliament, member of Knesset, who claimed the law was not democratic. The law memorandum I circulated today sets an important value norm. Everyone is equal, 
before the law. So this has come up before the Supreme Court before. As a matter of fact, in 1993, the Supreme Court of Israel ruled in the case called Deri Pinchasi that the prime minister was obliged to fire, in some cases, a deputy minister against whom an indictment was filed. In 2013, the same type of ruling was issued regarding mayors under the same principle. Now, this gets tricky. Why is that? Well, according to the government service regulations, in other words, regulations applying to civil servants, if a criminal or disciplinary procedure is conducted in the case of a candidate for civil service, each case must be examined according to its circumstances and facts. This means that in the event that an indictment is filed or a criminal investigation is opened against an incumbent public servant, he may be fired depending on the circumstances of the case, but there's no such obligation. The civil law applies to all public employees, public school teachers, directors of public hospitals, senior officials of government ministries, etc., etc. Now, imagine a teacher standing trial for, God forbid, pedophilia. Should he or she continue teaching until found guilty? Probably not. On the other hand, a teacher that is standing trial for something that has nothing to do with their teaching job, like, say, smoking an illegal substance, of course, not at school, should they be standing trial or should they keep teaching until found guilty? Probably so. Now, look, Bibi, the prime minister, the former prime minister, already formed a government while being under indictment. Opponents of this action filed petitions in the Supreme Court against the formation of the government by Netanyahu. The judges rejected the petition unanimously. They upheld the basic law enacted by the Knesset years ago that a residing prime minister does not need to resign even if he or she are facing an indictment. Having said that, the judges had an issue with the fact that people holding other civil servant jobs can be fired. The justice named Itzhak Amit said the following, Imagine that a person applies for a municipal government job. He is rejected due to the fact that he's standing a criminal indictment. So he decides to run for mayor and he gets a majority vote. He wins the election. But again, he's rejected by the government committee stating that he is facing criminal indictment. So he runs in a political party for the Knesset, for the parliament. He gets in and the prime minister awards him a ministry. But again, he's rejected due to standing a criminal indictment against him. And here is the absurd. This same person, who was rejected three or four times, can then run for prime minister, get a majority vote, and be allowed to serve as prime minister. He couldn't get a minor job or even a major job, such as a minister, but he can be prime minister and run the show. In which case, he's the boss of all those people whose jobs he was forbidden to serve in. Absurd, right? Okay, now it's important to understand what Bibi is actually standing trial for. Um, his case is called Case 1000, 2000, and 4000. Don't ask me where the numbers come from. But Case 1000 is a case that concerns the Prime Minister's relationship with two businessmen, Arnon Milchin, an Israeli Hollywood film producer, and James Packer, an Australian billionaire. Israeli Attorney General Avichai Menderblit alleged that Bibi Netanyahu and his wife Sarah received various goods from the businessmen, mainly cigar boxes, and cases of champagne. Now, big deal, right? Cigars and champagne? But Mendeblit says, and I quote, such that they became a sort of supply channel. The value of all the goods is approximately 700,000 shekels. That's approximately $200,000. Bibi in reply says, hey, it is allowed to receive presents from friends. And that's all it was. Bibi's opposition says, give us a break. You took bribes. It just wasn't cash. And Bibi's supporters say, all it is is some cigarettes and some pink champagne. Then there's case 2000. This case concerns meetings that Netanyahu conducted with Arnon Moses, 
the controlling shareholder of the number one newspaper in Israel called Yediot Achronot. The idea was that Netanyahu would receive favorable reporting from the newspaper and in return would place restrictions on Israel Hayom newspaper, which is the biggest competitor. This would have significant economic importance for Moses himself and his newspaper, Yediot Achronot. At the time of the last series of their meetings, a legislative bill was being considered that would have limited the circulation of Israel Hayom, again, the competitive newspaper. Bibi says the legislation concerning Israel Hayom never passed. I dissolved the government because of my opposition to the bill. And what am I standing trial for, basically? And then there's case 4000. This case concerns what the Attorney General calls reciprocal arrangements created between Mr. Netanyahu, who also held the post of Communication Minister from 2014 to 2017, and Shaul Alovich, the controlling shareholder in Israel's biggest telecommunication company, which is called Bezek. He owns the newspaper website Walla as well. Confused? So are most Israelis. Let's simplify it. Basically, according to the Attorney General, Bibi wanted better coverage for the popular Walla website. In return, on several occasions, he used his power with regulatory matters and took specific actions that promoted significant business interests of Alovich with substantial financial value. So again, Bibi wanted, according to the Attorney General, positive news coverage in return would make sure that Alevich would gain from it financially. This is actually the first case in Israel in which anyone stands trial for bribery that isn't monetary. There's no claim that Bibi received money, but rather improving his image in the public eye via a news website. Now, Bibi insists he received nothing from Alevich and that Walla coverage of him has been negative. He also says experts supported the regulatory decisions that he made. Okay, so now back to the bill. Those that oppose the bill will simply state that there's already a legal situation in Israel that exists that will determine whether someone like Benjamin Netanyahu can form a government or not. They will first say that it is up to the public. If the public votes him in, then he has legitimacy. Furthermore, they will say that there's also the president of Israel, which is mostly a symbolic figure. However, he does have the authority to decide which person will actually be given the possibility of putting together a coalition government. If the president deems that the indictments against Netanyahu or someone else are serious, he actually has the ability to say, no, I'm not going to give you the ability to form the government. Of course, it'll have to be pretty clear cut because it'll be up to public scrutiny. Those that are pro the law say the following. For several years, Israel's entered a political spin that threatens the stability of its democracy. The main reason for this was the insistence of Benjamin Netanyahu to continue to serve as prime minister despite the criminal charges that he is facing. In light of this experience, they say, there's no alternative other than enacting a law that will prevent a Knesset member against whom a serious criminal indictment is pending from receiving the mandate to form a government. They will further claim that any prime minister, especially Bibi Netanyahu, would have such power that could probably dissolve all the indictments against them with getting a majority and passing a law in the Knesset overruling the judicial system. The last claim of the pro-law people would be citing an event that took place in 2008. In that year, Prime Minister Ehud Olmert was being indicted for having taken a bribe when he served as the mayor of Jerusalem several years earlier. Benjamin Netanyahu, then the head of the opposition, was all for the law. The law was never enacted because Ehud Olmert resigned and stood trial. To conclude, one thing is for sure. This law is definitely about Benjamin Netanyahu. The Israeli public is split almost down the middle. Half think that he is the king, the best politician, and should serve as prime minister for a long time to come. The other half 
think he's a loser and he should resign quickly and never lead the Likud party again. One thing is for sure, no one in Israel is indifferent to Benjamin Netanyahu and therefore no one in Israel is indifferent to this law that was just pre-approved. Hopefully I've given you, the listener, enough food for thought to make up your own mind. And one thing is for sure, actually two. One, there's never a dull moment here in Israel. And two, we shall discover shortly whether this law passes, if it also passes the Supreme Court and other hurdles, or if it fails, I will update you. If you like Inside Israel, please share with others. You can access all of our episodes on InsideIsrael.fm, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon and Google Podcasts, and more. Mm-hmm.